Hello friends, my name is Todd Martin and I'm the pastor at Smithville Mennonite Church and it's great to have you listening right now for this special message that John Boley brought to our church. He's the director of counseling at Springhaven, a professional Christian counseling agency in our area. Let's go into the sanctuary now and hear this excellent word on mental health and the church. Lord, please be present here and help us be present with you. There's so many other distractions that could pick at our mind. Thank you for your presence. Please speak through me the message you want delivered today. Overcome my shortcomings, but I'm not a distracted distraction to the message you want taught. And open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. All right. So yeah, like I like I say, my name's John. I'm a, a mental health therapist or a counselor. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm here to talk about mental health in the church. Um, but um, I'll just start by saying that uh, the mental health field. Um, our mental health issues is not a new invention. Um, mental health is something that's been around. Um, it is uh, clearly expressed in, through the biblical authors. There we are. Um, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than live. Now, to give that context, right? If I heard someone here say that today, that changes my day, right? I'm not running off to my uh, cookout that I had planned. I'm holding time, I'm trying to figure out, boy, how can I offer help? Uh, that was Jonah. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take away, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. That was Elijah, right? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Yeah, that's right. And we can just imagine, again, a family member says that statement to you. Like, you're pretty concerned about him, right? Like, yeah, that's Jesus. Or my last one here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? I got to cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Just one of several of David's psalms. Yeah. So my, my point here is just that uh, mental health is not a modern invention, um, but... Uh, what has evolved is maybe some of the language that we use to talk about mental health issues. And so, um, so I do want to explain just a little bit of that language. Um, so it's important to know, wh what do I even mean when I say like mental illness or I say a mental health condition? Like what, 
what do those words even mean for sure? Um, so just a, a definition, I guess. Uh, mental illness is a condition that affects a person's thinking, feeling, mood, or behavior. Um, the more than just having a bad day, these are patterns of symptoms that negatively affect a person's life. There are lots of specific diagnoses that um, sort of describe different mental health conditions, but we're talking about the types of things like depression or anxiety, uh, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, addictions, like all of these things would be in the realm of uh, mental illness, okay? Um, so, um, as I'm starting to get into a little bit of the modern language of mental health, I do just want to acknowledge, for some of us, it's kind of an uncomfortable topic, uh, especially in the church. Uh, there are some people that sort of feel like, boy, mental health is just pretty worldly, and, you know, maybe that's not what we ought to be focusing on while we're, while we're here in church. And so, th there's been a tension between mental health and church for, for a pretty long time, um, and I don't suppose I have the, the full answer to that, um, but, I, but I have put some thought into that, um, and uh, I don't want to uh, place all the blame here, uh, but some of you may know this is Sigmund Freud. Uh, so Sigmund Freud is known as the father of modern psychology. Uh, in the early 20th century, uh, he was one of the first doctors, one of the first physicians to attempt to address his patient's symptoms by talking with him. So uh, he was a big part in uh, creating and popularizing what's now known as talk therapy or counseling. Um, so he was, he was a pioneer at his time, uh, and he did good things to help people with their symptoms uh, before this era when mental health began emerging. Uh, the only way to address people's symptoms was just with Medicaid. It was just whatever the issue is, find the matching medication, and that was the whole, that was the whole picture. And so he brought um, uh, help to some hurting people. Um, the, the problem with Sigmund Freud was he, was he himself was very against the church. Uh, he believed that the church created weakness. And so, uh, and he wrote, he documented that he had hoped that science and reason would replace faith in God. So um, if I'm a Christian in the early 20th century, and this new field is emerging, being popularized by a person who wants to separate us from God, I would be on board with the church to say, we shouldn't have much to do with this movement, right? Um, yeah. And so... Um, so it makes sense to me when people do have discomfort talking about mental health, there's this maybe this unease about like, man, is this what we ought to be focusing on? And, uh, and I, I think I get some of where that's coming from. It, it makes sense. Um, the, Sigmund Freud's not the end of the story, though. So uh, in the World Wars, uh, lots of actually Mennonites began serving in mental health hospitals, and they brought their values with them. And then beginning in the 1960s, Christians began developing models for counseling that were consistent with their values, with their faith, um, but that um, utilized the scientific research to be able to help people through counseling. So uh, today, where that brings us today, is there are several agencies, even right here in Wayne County, that have um, professional Christian therapists 
who can be understanding and supportive of your relationship with God and help with mental health issues. So, uh, so there's been a lot of change in the field over time. Um, the, um, and I, I feel like uh, you, you have to maybe be a little patient with me. I, I'm explaining a lot of terms, and some of these things might be things that you know well, uh, but, I, but I'm not quite sure what's, what's very familiar and what isn't. And so, so just to explain a few more terms here, um, there's some different roles in the mental health field. And so um, a professional counseling or a professional counselor is somebody who is licensed by the state uh, who has a master's degree in the mental health field and is licensed by the state to provide counseling. So they, they're able to diagnose and treat mental health conditions. That's one role. Um, Christian counseling, or what's sometimes called pastoral counseling, is counseling by a pastor or layperson who's uh, not uh, licensed by the state to like diagnose and treat, um, but are able to come alongside people to offer support and help through difficult times. Um, the uh, pastoral counselor isn't going to tell you you do or do not have bipolar disorder and set up a treatment plan to address that disorder, like that wouldn't be their role, uh, but they are able to be listening to the Holy Spirit as they're listening to who they're helping to help give direction and support. Uh, the third role, a uh, professional Christian counselor would be somebody who is licensed by the state to diagnose and treat mental health conditions, so they would utilize what the scientific community has to offer in terms of um, best practices or evidence-based approaches to try and help with whatever condition you're going through. Um, but they're also able to listen to the Holy Spirit and utilize their faith in the helping process. So, um, so all three roles have, have relevance, have their place, right? They're, they're all useful, but those are just some of the language distinctions between them. Um, and I know that, uh, I may be getting a bit technical for what you're, <laughs> for what you're looking for, uh, but and I think one of the big questions is, well, why does this matter? Why is it important? Um, and I'd say uh, one thing that we know is that about 20% of people, 20% of adults currently have some form of mental health condition, about 20%, one in five, and about 50% will at some point in their life. So while it, not everybody has a mental health condition, it's, it's not impacting everybody, it is likely that you know people that do. It's likely that you have people pretty close to your inner circle that do. Um, and so um, when I think about um, how to be loving and how to be compassionate, um, I just have to be in tune with the hurting that are very close around us. The um, if you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, open them up to Galatians chapter five. I'm just going to read a, a short passage here, but I think it may be nice to have it in front of you as well. This is a pretty familiar passage. You guys will be familiar with. I'm sure you'll have heard it before. Um, I'm just going to be reading verses 13 and 14. So if you're there, Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. 
You, my dear brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And I'm just going to pause for just a second there. We're called to be free. And I'll just say, for people suffering with a mental health condition that they haven't gotten help for, they're still in the frustration and confusion of that issue, they don't feel free. We'll just know that we're called to be free. You, my dear brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, like many of you, I'll spend a fair amount of time meditating and reflecting on, well, okay, the whole scripture hangs on this, right? Love your neighbor. How do I be loving? What does that look like? What are the, what are the ways that I can live this out? And that's what brings uh, so much importance to me about the mental health field, is when I know that so many people around are struggling, I just feel like if there is something that I can do to help, I ought to be doing it. And, and part of my message here today is there are things you can do to help, that it is important and there are things you can do to help. Um, it is interesting. Does anybody know what the, uh, the first not good thing in the Bible was? There's at least a full Sunday school class that knows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Ryan Casey Waller in his book, Depression, Anxiety, and Other Things We Don't Want, want to Talk About, <clears throat> that I know several of you are going through, he points this out in his book. And so there's this whole motif in the beginning. So Genesis 1, you just see uh, God creating. And after each step of creation, uh, he declares that what he created was good. And so, uh, so there's, just, there's, this, there's this whole pattern. Uh, he makes light, and it is good. He makes uh, the land and the seas, and it is good. He makes the vegetation, and it is good. And just day after day, and then after all of creation, so uh, he looks at everything he created and says that it is very good. So our ears perk up the first time we hear God say it's not good. And this is before sin, right? This is before the fall. But the first thing that God says is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. I think part of the point is that when people are struggling with mental illness and they don't have support around them, they often feel very alone. And you can feel alone in a room full of people. And I think that's part of why mental health is important. It's why it matters but we understand and can engage in. Okay, so uh, here's where I just want to be able to try and give some advice because uh, maybe some of you are sitting here saying, listen, I, I started this message already on board with it, it matters, so you know what can I do? Uh, so I'm, I'm now getting to you guys. Um, there, there are things that you can do. Um, and this is advice that I largely get from people I've helped. So I've been a, a mental health therapist now for about 16 years, and I meet a lot of people, a lot of very faithful Christians who love God, who love their church, 
um, but are coming in for counseling. And honestly, sometimes they're uh, pretty frustrated with their experience in their church um, of uh, not feeling as supported or as helped um, as they would have liked. Um, and I'm just saying that when people are dealing with mental health issues, they uh, it's not like they start by realizing, oh, I have a mental health issue. I should get some help. It, it starts with usually confusion, with I don't feel good. I haven't been feeling good for a while. I'm not sure why. I don't know quite what to do with it. I don't know what it means exactly, and I don't know what to do with it. So for some people, they might feel depressed. Uh, they might feel tired a lot. More, They're just recognizing, I shouldn't be this tired this often. It might take a lot of energy just to feel like uh, they can act normal around other people. They might feel uh, nervous or worried. Their body may tell them there's danger, right? Like, I need to get out of here. Like, their heart gets racing. Like, this isn't safe. I need to get out of here. I look around, no one else is worried or concerned, but their body's telling them there's a problem right now, right? They may have persistent negative thoughts where um, it just, in their mind, keeps popping up thoughts. I'm no good. People don't care about me. Um, I always mess up. I'm not good enough, right? Like, and they don't want to have these thoughts. They're not asking for it. They're not trying to nurture these thoughts. But they just have these persistent negative thoughts that just keep coming into their mind that they're trying to wrestle with, right? And so um, they are often, in the beginning, confused and, and often embarrassed, right? Like trying to figure out um, is, is pretty challenging to try and even describe this to some, I mean, I, it's hard for me to put words to what I'm experiencing, let alone to try and describe it to someone else. Um, C.S. Lewis writes, uh, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it's more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say, my tooth is aching, than to say, my heart is broken. So, um, so let's just say that um, someone, someone close to you has begun to maybe open up a little. Maybe you've seen some signs that they seem to be struggling, um, or they've cracked the door a little bit, right? Like, they, they've just have sort of let you know they're, they're having a hard time. They're not doing great. Here's, here's my first piece of advice. Uh, my first piece of advice is just beware of conversation stoppers. Beware of conversation stoppers. So one of the things that um, my clients will often tell me is that if, if they begin to reveal that they're struggling inside their church, there is some typical advice that they are likely to get. And so if they begin to let people know they're having a hard time, um, they will often hear things like, uh, okay, well, uh, you know, just keep praying, keep praying. Or they'll hear, 
you know, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. Um, they, might, they might hear, well, you need to just confess your sins. Um, or um, let go and let God. Let go and let God. And I would say that, so those pieces of advice aren't bad advice by themselves. And I think that the people who say them are well-intended. I, th I think it's all well-intended. But if it's used as a conversation stopper, um, it oftentimes leaves the person feeling alone in their pain. So if when somebody begins to open up, we feel uncomfortable and we are you know, like, oh, man, I don't know exactly what to say here but I'm not, you know, feel that great. And I'm using just a quick piece of advice in order to end the conversation, then they're sort of left feeling like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta do this myself, right? Um, I think what they're looking for oftentimes is someone who will walk with them, who will carry the burden with them, who will try and understand with them. And if they get a one sentence piece of advice and that's the end of it. They don't, they don't feel that support. Oftentimes what happens is uh, it, can, it makes them feel worse. Because if you're struggling with persistent negative thoughts, you're struggling with depression or some form of anxiety, and you're told, well, you, you know, just pray harder. Like, just give it to God. Boy, you feel like, I'm not praying nearly hard enough. There must be something wrong with me. Why don't I have the faith to make to get through this? If everybody else gets through this through just giving it to God, why can't I do that? There must be something wrong with me. God must not accept me, right? So, uh, so I'll just throw that out as my first piece of advice. Beware of conversation stoppers. And so if you're filling out your blanks in the bulletin there, that's the, that's the first blank is uh, stoppers. Beware of conversation stoppers. Um, so we don't have to have all the answers for someone's mental health condition. In fact, we ought to expect that we don't. Um, the, unless you're a mental health professional, there's going to be lots of things that you're not going to be able to just fix for somebody. And, and that's not what I'm asking you to do. Um, the, uh, if I came in with a broken arm, like seriously, like visibly broken arm, and I said, man, my arm is hurting. I would imagine that just about everyone in here, the fir your first reaction would be, yeah, go to the hospital, right? Because we know that things like setting bones and casts are useful in the healing process. And uh, I would also appreciate your prayers, right? But if I were resistant to going to the, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I can't feel my hand anymore, but I think it'll be okay. You would insist, right? You would say, no, seriously, it's okay. We'll handle, like, go to the hospital, right? Yeah. We need that type of advice for people who are hurting with mental health. They need help feeling normal about going to counseling. They need help. They need the community around them to be able to say, 
yeah, no, you should go to counseling. And if they felt guilty or ashamed, like, well, I don't know, am I really supposed to, like, shouldn't I just pray more? Like, yeah, I mean, yes, we are going to support you in prayer, absolutely. But go see a counselor. That's the normal thing to do. And when we know, when we know, yeah, it, that's the normal, like, see a counselor. That's how you handle this. Then we help the people around us feel normal about it, too, which helps them get over their hurdle, their discomfort of like, I don't, is it, should I, shouldn't I? It helps them get through that. So that's actually just my second blank there. Help people feel normal about seeing a counselor. My third piece of advice, the, uh, and my final one, is uh, make space to really listen to people. Make space to really listen to people. So everyone has their own way of making people feel comfortable um, and, um, and just how to help people feel safe to open up and talk. I want to just acknowledge that uh, for most people, a, a church, like the few minutes before or after the service, is not typically the place where people feel safe to open up about something that they're struggling with. Again, if they have these symptoms and they don't understand them and they feel ashamed of them, and I know we've got about three minutes to sort of greet each other and say hello and how you do before we come into church. That's just not the space that I'm going to open up in, okay? And so so we just have to figure out, yeah, how do we make space to help people feel safe to open up? And I can't give you exactly how you do that. I do want to give an example, though. Uh, These are my grandparents. Uh, They've passed now, but uh, this is them at the concession stand at the baseball fields. They... They worked the baseball fields. They lived in Chatham, um, just a small town, just a little north of Lodi, uh, some of you familiar. It, um, it, it's on 83. If you blink while you're going up 83, you've missed it. You've missed it. So this is a, a very small town, um, and, uh, and, they, and they were a local couple. So uh, Grandpa worked at the gas station that was in his front yard, and Grandma went to church right across the street, the concession stand for the baseball fields where were just a walk from their house. Um, and um, so they, they were, uh, yeah, local, small-town couple. Um, and we used to like to say of Grandma that she made the best pies in the world. And since nobody can prove us wrong, we sort of stick to that story. <laughs> Grandma made the best pies. Um, but what grandma would do is every week she would make five pies and, um, more importantly, the people in her community knew that every week grandma was making pies. And so what people would do throughout the week is they would, they would stop in, right? Now, grandma was not a counselor. Grandma was not a theologian. Grandma didn't try to have all the answers for anybody's issues. But if you lived in that community and you wanted someone to talk with, you wanted someone who you knew would listen, you could go to grandma's, you could sit on the porch and have a glass of iced tea, 
or you could have a cup of coffee and a piece of pie, and you could be with somebody who would listen. And just helping someone not be alone, just being available to really listen and make space for another person has such a big impact. I had several people in Chatham. I live in Chatham now, just uh, actually up the road from where Grandma used to live. There are several people in Chatham who are uh, aunts of mine, uh, aunts or uncles, who are of no biological connection. They, they were just friends of Grandma's, right? When um, we have something good inside of us, we have the Holy Spirit. And when we make space to really listen to another person, God moves. So I'm keeping it simple today. Just three steps. Beware of conversation stoppers. Uh, help people feel normal about seeing a counselor and make space to really listen. Doing those things does a lot to help people with mental illness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the space here, um, the opportunity to talk for a group of people who are compassionate and caring and open to learn how to love your people more. Let's pray your uh, blessing on this message in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say thank you to John Boley, Clinical Director of Counseling at Springhaven, for this excellent message. Also, thank, thanks to you for listening. Now, if you have any questions or comments about this message, or if you need a Bible or someone to pray with, don't hesitate to give us a call at Smithville Mennonite Church, and that phone number is 330-669-3601. Again, 330-669-3601. Now, may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.